and welcome to the next installment of the SUS News Podcast Series, where we interview newsmakers and discuss the news and applications relevant to the global unmanned technologies community. I'm your program host, Patrick Egan, and as we always do at this time, we say hello to our uh, co-host, Mr. Gene Robinson. Gene, are you out there? I am out here in the ether and just having a whale of a time, Patrick. What's going on on your end? A whale of a time. A whale of a time. Uh, is it a pilot whale, or are we talking full-blown blue now? Anyway. Of course it's a pilot whale. Of course it's a pilot <laughs> whale. Well, what else would it be? It could be a you know <laughs> blue whale or Moby Dick or call me Queequeg. I don't know. Anyway, yeah, no, I'm busier than uh, take on a hound dog out here. I got more stuff going, and I don't even know what to do with, but it uh, keeps you busy, um, healthy and wise and all the rest of that stuff. So... You know, I usually ask you if you see many news stories that, um, you know, let's say piqued your interest. Did, did you? I've, I've been out of it. Did you, have you caught anything that uh, is worthy of speaking about? Well, you know, I'm going to just kind of veer off completely on the news because, you know, the news has been kind of depressing lately here. But uh, I'm, I'm on a little bit of a, a, a high right now, and then it's not from any illicit things, of course, but. Um, you know, I have a I have a 501c3, you know, my nonprofit agency, and uh, we just uh, we we were helping out uh, one of our local firefighters here, and his daughter uh, has uh, SMA, which is a spinal disorder, and she needed a wheelchair, and we just got a huge donation toward that chair this morning, and uh, we're going to make that that dream come true. So I'm, cool. I'm pretty happy right now. I mean, as soon as I get done with the podcast here, I'm going to accept the donation that. Uh, is going to get this little gal the, the chair. She's 14 years old and they can find her wheelchair. I'm, I'm just, I'm pumped. I'm just really pumped. And so. Yeah. Well, that's good news. I, you know, I, yeah. I like that. You know, a, a little up thing, you know, before we, uh, you know, we start talking about uh, federal agencies and uh, oh, you know, it's the gonna, fun stuff this that one, we normally talk about. This one's just going to be a, a, you know, a fun one. We're not, we're not oh, going down the, uh, uh, that road. <laughs> Even though I don't know, I don't. I, I've become cynical, you know, after 20 years. But um, now, you know, the other thing I wanted to talk about is um, I have subscribed to your YouTube channel, which is Gene Gene Robinson Sardrones. Is that the, the YouTube channel? That's that's it. That is it. All right. Well, I'm impressed. You know, you told me you, know, you were like, oh, I'm going to start my YouTube channel, and I listened to the one last night. Um, <laughs> What was that? Was it? Uh, it was a training video. And, yes. Uh, what was it here? And the the MDAS training video. That, my friend, was uh, excellent. Uh, ums, uh, whatever your cadence was good. You were clear. You were enunciating. Um, it, it was pretty, I mean, you were talking about the, the locate program for search and rescue, but man, uh, as far as the training video goes, it's probably one of the better ones that I've seen and not just in the, the drone thing, but in general, I mean, that's really all I watch are YouTube videos. Well, of information yeah. on the YouTube, um, some of the video productions, eh, not so good. Yours is good. I mean, that, that's some good stuff. And I would suggest that, uh, if people are into, uh, you know, using some of these programs for the drones, uh, that they go over there and check that out because you're doing a good job. We we need a story at SUS News. You got to write us a story. We got to uh, we got to publicize that because I think it's a great public service. You're, you're doing really good. What's I don't even want to give away the secret sauce, but I mean, you know, you just like oh, I'm putting my 20 years of acumen in the field uh, to to work here, or is this like even coming from a past life? You know, what what happened? No, you know, it was – I, I kind of did something different, Patrick. I actually scripted it, you know, instead of me ad-libbing through the whole thing and stumbling. It, yeah, and it did make it a lot smoother. I, I, I will grant you that. And uh, this oh, is something good. that uh, – well, and, and I appreciate that because, you know, my wife listened to it. She goes, you you are such a geek. I mean, you know, you, you use all these technical terms, and you're going to – nobody's going to understand that. And then uh, I was like, well, <laughs> it's it kind of – it is a little technical, but uh, you know, it's uh, it's also 
very informative to people who are, you know, in that sort of business that we do of, of analyzing images and looking for things. So well, uh, you know, to, I'm, I'm going to leave it. You, you got to learn the nomenclature, you know. It, it is – I mean, I've said that before. You know, you got the acronyms. You got the, you know, the, oh, yeah. the, the let's say, um, application-specific terms and all – you know, but you, you have to learn all of that to be part of it. And I think that's one of the things that goes back, you know, when you have your uh, citizen searchers, whatever else, uh, if, you, if you don't know the nomenclature, you, you're kind of lost out there. It's not even the techniques and the, and the process and all the rest of that. You're, you're going to be lost. A good place to go, learn it all, uh, think about it. I mean, I haven't even, you know, I, I want to do the locate thing. I haven't even flown in I don't know how long. I'm just too busy. Too busy making people miserable, you know. But, no. <laughs> I know better than that, Patrick. I know. I'm cheering folks up left and right. So, uh, you know, but it, 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 is, it is good. I would suggest people go over there, uh, even if they're just curious, um, you know, some of the software that we've talked about, some of the process that we've talked about. I think it's really good. I don't think you can really distill it down too much more. Not like a SAR for dummies or, you know, Drone the LE for dummies, you know. I mean, it's you're either part of the melding into to the process or you're not. So yeah, it's a commitment. It is. How many how many videos you got over there? There's thirty. Uh, half a dozen. I'm I'm working on a, another couple of more, and you know, it's kind of uh, going to be more like a day in the life at the body farm, you know, or doing something like that. What I do and and how I do it. I think it's important that. I start giving back, and uh, I'm going to do that. I'm going to start giving back through these videos and, and explaining, you know, some of the best practices that we see people embracing out there, stuff, Patrick, that you and I worked on back in the Arcapa days when we were talking about best practices for drones. Seriously. I mean, you, you chuckle, but, I mean, that that was a long time ago that we were doing that, 2006, 2005. Four, five, and, six. Yeah, and, and a lot of the best practices that we see today, uh, that DNA is there, and uh, it's you know it's, it's it's history and it shows where it came from. And if you understand where it came from, you understand why it's in use today because it's it works, right? Well, I wasn't going to get all maudlin on this deal, but uh, you know, <laughs> I, I just. It's funny as I saw a post on LinkedIn today, and they're talking about U-Space and UTM, and I'm just like, oh my god! So many opportunities have been have been just chucked out the window, um, which is too bad because I, I, you know, the, you know, it's technology is ever evolving, and you know, I, I, I think kind of where we wound up with the, the regulatory side of this is kind of sad, but anyway, whatever, we're we're, we're getting some of it, and. Uh, and some of the benefits of it. So it's good, but, uh, you know, we'll, we'll have to see if it's free and easy enough for competition and enough money uh, or investment in this sector to develop all of the systems and software technology that really needs to, to, to flourish. So we'll, we'll see on that. But what you're doing is good, and, I, you know, my hat's off to you. I mean, even you're like uh, Gene Lotus Flower Robinson or something. You just keep giving and giving and giving, <laughs> you know. You wrote the book. You, you, you know, you've, you've gone on the, the speaking tour. You've taught. You've trained. You've uh, it just you get a whole body of work there. And, and I think the video thing is good. I, I, I want to do one, too. I think you should do kind of like a dissertation video. Maybe you need to get the whiteboard going. And like, I, I started doing this, and I did that, and, you know, and then we did this, and that evolved into this and that, and just to give people a, a, a record of the history of some of that stuff. Because you were the guy. Yeah, it's funny. It's the COA thing. You know, and there's Gene Robinson. I remember when they were putting the FAA was going to put that COA deal on the website. Who was the yeah. guy that helped them put that on their website? I, I did that. I spent a weekend debugging that system. Uh, yeah, I, I remember that one well. That's right. And I'm sure there's, you know, that one has kind of fallen through the cracks of history. So, you know, when people are like, oh, we're doing this and we're doing that, you know, it's like uh, you know, there was Gene Robinson. 
pecking away, uh, helping him out with that deal many, many moons ago. Pay, so, pay pay no attention to that man behind the curtain. Exactly, and uh, all of that, you know, the jumping through the hoops for the three thirty threes and all the rest of it. And you know, remember that when we were like, oh, hey, we got to do. Uh, remember, we we tried to sell people on the idea of the uh, drones for. First responders, law enforcement, firefighting, and all the rest. I remember that. That was, I mean, what, 2013, 2014. And people were like, there's no money in that. It'll never happen. That's, that's crazy talk. And uh, <laughs> we had that one uh, DOD vendor. All right. That sounds good. How many drones are we going to sell? What's, yeah. what's the maintenance contract going to be? I was like, uh, where well, this isn't an FBO thing, buddy. But anyway, it's funny how that all progressed, and we should uh, we should do that. Said sometime you should you we should really make a should. video. And, hey, and actually, it would be kind of fun. Maybe we should just do another show about it, and then we could do a video about it, and uh, write a book about it. Tell all Kitty Kelly, go on Oprah, <laughs> and then I can. Oh yeah. I'm gonna go on Oprah, and I'm, I think I'm gonna do a GoFundMe. I'm gonna buy a 14 million dollar house. And uh, pity pot it and ask people to kick in money to uh, pay the mortgage job. Works for you, right? Uh, I, I, can I stay in the the uh, pool cabana and you know hang out? Only if you're going to do the chainsaw bear how-to video. Uh, got it. I'm in. Okay, sounds good. And of course, you're invited. The welcome mat is always there. So for you. But uh, all right. Well, uh, you know, without further ado, let's bring on our. Today's guest, Brett Kanda, VP, Sales and Marketing at Brink Drones. Hey, Brett, are you out there? Hey, Patrick. Thanks for having me. You just sat there so quiet. You didn't have anything to say. You're like, oh, my God. How did I get into this? Well, How did I, I get I suckered into intently, this? and uh, that, that story, Gene, definitely uh, started, started my day off better. Congratulations on that. That's pretty cool. Oh, I, I, thanks, man. I, it's just, it is such a wonderful thing to be able to pay it forward. So good deal. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with you. Yeah, it's it's nice when uh, the stars align and something good happens. That's great news. going to, you know, it's going to add a lot to uh, quality of life, and that's great. Um, all right, Brett. So, you know, I know who you are, and uh, some of us know who you are. But for the benefit of the audience, could you could you give us a little uh, bio, you know, how how you got here, how you got into small U.S. and, and how you got to bring? Because I know you've yeah. been around for a little while. So, you know, let us indulge us, sir. Yeah, absolutely. So, I, actually, I think, Patrick, you and I met in person at CES, I think probably in my first three to six months and being in the drone industry, I'm like, who's this guy writing about all this, this technology, all these drones? Hey, might as well just send him a cold email. And uh, I think we might've met at like the Luxor or something mm. like that, right around CES back in. That's about when I got into this industry. And um, I have a, a very different background than probably anybody in this industry. Um, before I, I, I took the plunge, I was uh, playing professional golf for a living um, and about the time that I was about to wrap up my, my golf career, um, I had a very good friend of mine come to me with uh, the Phantom 1 and said, hey, you know, let's go film golf courses with this thing. And, you know, the PGA Tour uses helicopters, media uses helicopters, and the light bulb kind of went off. And instead of uh, going back to school to, to get a master's in business, which was my original plan, I said, ah, I'm going to go try this. Um, I knew absolutely nothing. Uh, the only thing that I knew how to do was, was get a golf ball in the hole faster than most people. So I, I took the plunge really not knowing anything at all. So um, after doing some research and, and realizing back then that there was, you know, basically only one company on the planet that was building commercial drones, which was DJI, um, there was no real education. There wasn't any training. There were hardly any companies. Um, I kind of thought to myself, well, I'm starting at basically the same level as everybody else here. So uh, dove in headfirst, started a drone service provider back in 2013, um, spent about three and a half years doing a combination of, um, you know, cinematography, production, uh, construction site monitoring, commercial real estate uh, monitoring, things like all, all sorts of different use cases. And uh, you, you mentioned there Section 333. I, I remember those days vividly. And um, I think my company was like the 50th company to get a Section 333. And 
nobody had any idea what was going on. I, I remember going up to uh, a local airport here in Las Vegas and seeing what it would take for me to get a private pilot's license because back then that's what the requirement was. And, yep. you know, when they they told me the amount of hours and, and the investment Money. that happened, uh, yeah, yeah, that was – uh, not exactly the best use of, of my time or money. So, uh, you know, we, we went out there and we were the first company to fly drones for the PGA Tour. Um, so back then it was it was a bit of a wild west, even more so than it is now. And um, it was a lot of fun. So I spent about three and a half years having my own drone service provider. Um, I, I started to notice kind of a trend and a theme um, that every time we got into a decision maker's office to, to pitch them on our services, the regulatory side uh, always popped up. Well, is this legal? Can you fly in Class B airspace? Uh, what can you actually do here, guys? How high can you go? Can you fly over people? And that just kept happening and happening and happening. So well, what, what do I do? I, I decided to go work for him. Um, and I spent about two and a half years working for the FAA. Um, I, I ran the Nevada test site. Uh, for about two and a half years, um, and you know, I learned a lot. Uh, learned a lot about the regulatory side of this, which has um, been pretty painstaking. But was was deeply integrated into the NASA back when NASA Ames was involved in UTM. Uh, kind of saw all of those those testing scenarios play out in real time, and um, got to really build uh, a network within the drone industry. Because at the end of the day, uh, our, our job at the Nevada test site was to um, facilitate R&D projects, and also get drone companies to come to Nevada and domicile here um, to, to, you know, grow grow the industry. And so uh, after about two and a half years, um, I, I called our mutual friend up, uh, Randall, and, and had a conversation, and he was uh, actively hiring somebody to come help him at FLIR. Um, and so I was lucky enough to, to go over to FLIR and, and help Randall run the uh, commercial UAS business over there, which was uh, just an experience of a lifetime, and, and FLIR is an amazing company. And um, so I spent two years over at FLIR um, helping run their global business uh, on the commercial UAS side. Um, and then I, I recently, on December 1st of uh, 2020, joined Springthrone um, as the second employee over here. So here we are today. Uh, we're, we're a fast-growing company. Our, our product is, is built for indoor tactical. Uh, we kind of have a, a very narrow niche that we operate in, and um, it's been a, a fun growth growth period here and it's continuing to grow. And uh, so, yeah, that's where we are today. Well, that's a lot to unpack. And I think maybe we should go golfing sometime, but we, we can't go anywhere where families we definitely golf, do that because I uh, scream obscenities <laughs> at the top of my lungs. I probably have never witnessed that <laughs> as, as do I sometimes. Uh, I, I don't really golf because – yeah, so, well, you may play Army golf, but this is Navy golf because this stuff is salty. No, I, uh, very frustrating. No, no mine so, is left, know. right, left, left, right, left. Yeah. Uh, I hear I, I, I you. It, it doesn't work out too much for me or too good for me. Anyway, um, yeah, so there's a lot of stuff there. And that's funny. It's, you know, it, it's uh, – we usually get people on here who've been in the industry for a while, and uh, you know, it's one of those things where, like, you, you like we can go all over the place on your bio, you know, or what you've done. Yeah. And it is, uh, you know, yeah, the CES thing. It, CES, uh, for me, and the drone thing was a little bit of a uh, – it's almost like the South by Southwest deal. It's like, really, sure. what are we doing here? You know, are these hair dryers or aircraft? You know, I, I don't know. I mean, it was a carnival type atmosphere and it was fun. And I, I would say it was a lot uh, freer and easier than even like a drone show or whatever, because it was like we had our community there or whatever. And it, and it was kind of interesting. Yep. But, uh, you know, so it was good for what it was. And I think it was good to see it in that kind of space. But I just always thought it was a little bit different. And then you talked about the 333 you know, fiasco or a debacle or, you know, it's funny. I was going to go for the balloon license because I wanted to go on the cheap, right? And uh, <laughs> same kind of deal, you know, you figure I thought about that too. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, the guy, I knew a guy, I worked with a guy, and he was like, yeah, you know, he was a balloon pilot. And Gary is, a, you know, SUS dude, Gary is a balloon pilot too. That's how he wound up in oh. Africa. So <laughs> these guys are like, oh, Jesus. You know, so what you got to do with a balloon, you and your, you know, you can't go launch a balloon by yourself. And uh, then you got to have places to land the balloon. And I'm like, oh, 
man, you know, forget it. I just fly on uh, in military airspace. It's a lot easier than, than, than go to get that license. So, yeah, that was a real uh, fun one. And then you also uh, touched on, you know, when you're explaining the, the, the rules and the laws uh, to prospective clients. And uh, another guy aptly put it, as he calls it, he's all, as soon as it gets into that, not currently, but back then, as soon as it gets into the regulatory part of it, it it's kind of, he called it a, almost like a, the drug dealer speech. You know, you're talking to people about what the regulations are, and they start, you know, the eyebrows start raising, and, well, what, what are you saying here, you know? Right. And he had to dance all around that, and, you know, God, what a disaster that was. That was, that was, people saw the technology, and they're like, oh, my God, there's so much promise here. Yeah, but then the regulatory side of it, unless you're willing to, you know, color outside the sure. line or whatever. And, and it really, uh, it was a heartbreaker. I know uh, Gene wasn't heartbroken. He loved it, right, Gene? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's, uh, yeah, that was, yeah. <laughs> it's killing me here with that. But we're going to, we'll fast forward through that because there, there was a lot of good stuff there. And, and by the way, I did have Randall on a few weeks ago, and Randall said nice stuff about you. I threw him an extra 20. So what do you think of uh, Brett? <laughs> no. Yeah. Randall and I are still very good friends and, and chat frequently. Yeah, no, he said no. Actually, I, I really need to get with them on that new gas detection system because, I mean, out there at the body farm, I mean, there's that, that could be a player. Yeah, yeah. The, the Move C360. Yep. Yeah. Yep, I, I, yeah, I really so, uh, think, and I need to call Randall and talk to him about it because uh, that's uh, obviously decomp puts out some pretty odiferous stuff, and I think we can protect it. If there's definitely one, could. Okay, no, no, we're not going to do any body farm jokes. I had one there, but uh, we're going to let that one go. Um, yeah, no, and then uh, actually it was funny. Even uh, you know said a few nice things about me. I just kind of laughed, but uh, you know whatever. Everybody has their own opinions, you know. Uh, but whatever. I I I thoroughly enjoy your and uh, Randall's banter on LinkedIn. It's very very highly entertaining. Well, you know, yeah, we uh, we we cleared the air on that one, and uh, you know it all it's all good. Um, so good, you know. I like Flare products. They're they're pretty. Uh, Robusto, that uh, Sea Star yeah. Sapphire is some good kit, yeah. as they say. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, you know where you're at now, and I wanted to kind of talk about this. So you're you're Brink Drones. You said you were employee number two, and I have seen you guys in the news. Um, maybe you can tell us a little bit about uh, Brink, that you know, the, the let's say the ethos behind what's going on there. Sure. Yeah, happy to. So um, the company really starts with our our founder and CEO, Blake Resnick, um, who today is 21 years old. Um, I've I've known him for about three years, um, back to to when I was working at the FAA. And um, so so I'm going to start with Blake, and then we can kind of transition into where we are today as a as a young startup uh, in this space. And um, so Blake, uh, born and raised in Las Vegas. Um, bit of a child genius. He graduated high school when he was 13, took the GED, um, went to Northwestern School of Engineering when he was 14. Uh, he was the youngest ever to do that. He spent about two and a half semesters over there and realized uh, he didn't like it and it wasn't for him. So he went and interned at McLaren Auto over in London. Um, mm-hmm. Then he interned at Tesla and then he interned at DJI, the Palo Alto office. And um, kind of in parallel started Brink Thrones. Uh, and so back when he started this company, um, this was when the physical border wall uh, was going to be bort, uh, built along the southern border of the U.S. And um, he didn't think that was a great idea and, and thought that he could build something much more effective and much cheaper. And so uh, in his garage, he basically built uh, about a 500-pound solar-powered, totally self-sustaining drone-in-a-box concept. Um, that had full communication suite on board and would be able to provide 24-7 surveillance of the border, um, you know, across the entire border. So, Patrick, as, as you and I know, that the regulatory hurdles uh, were too much to overcome, just the BBL, BBLOS and multiple aircraft operations, everything that 
uh, the technology was built for uh, was something that he couldn't overcome. And that's why I cold called me and said, hey, can, can you help me out with some BVLOS support? And although I knew it was going to be difficult, I, I tried to help as much as I could. And um, so at about the same time that he was getting the, uh, the red stop sign from the FAA and DHS and Border Patrol, um, he, uh, the October 1st shootings at Mandalay Bay happened here in Las Vegas. And so he had, he had friends and family at that, at that concert. I had friends and family at that concert. Uh, you know, that was a day that, that anybody who lived in Las Vegas, that, that kind of changed us forever. Um, so that event um, was, was the official point where he, he made a pivot and decided to um, take what he had built uh, with the drone in the box concept and, and modify it to become an indoor tactical system. So it's a pretty cool story. He, he cold calls the lieutenant of Las Vegas SWAT, who was running the mission on October 1st. Um, and met him for coffee and said, hey, I, I think I can build you guys something that would have really helped um, on that day. And so Blake spent about six months and went on about 20 call-outs with the Las Vegas SWAT team, which is probably the third busiest SWAT team in the country, very sophisticated, use technology daily, um, and, and really are a thought leader when it comes to SWAT operations. And so he would go out on a call-out, make uh, revisions to the product, go on another call out, make revisions to the product. So everything that you see in the lemur, which is our mainstay product today, was, was pretty much built with the voice of SWAT team members. Um, and today uh, we have multiple retired Las Vegas SWAT team members on staff, um, multiple that have outside employment agreements with us that actually go out and do our demos. Um, so we're, we're very demo heavy and it's, it's amazing to see uh, when we send out an active SWAT team member and they're doing the pitch um, to to our customer base, how much more effective that is than you know one of us from the drone industry, right? Yeah, so, yeah. that's always been that way. It's really uh, professionals can uh, sniff out a yeah. faker. It was funny. One time I did uh, one. What did I? I did a uh, presentation for Gene one time. I think it was here at uh, Cal Fire. And it was it was Gene stuff, and I told him right off the bat, I go, yeah, you know, I'm not uh, I'm not a firefighter. I'm just presenting this material for someone else, and blah blah blah, you know, yeah. Those guys were like, man, they sniffed me out in about 30 seconds. Well, you made a mistake <laughs> with that slide because you said the wind was blowing. I go, I you know, I claim up front, I'm not a firefighter. So I, I yep. agree with that. You you really need people that you know you can't, and that's what been one of the things with the, the drone experts, and I make cracks about that you know i went down to best buy and three months later i'm a you're not a drone expert uh you know somebody that was in the swat team knows what what applications are going to work uh you know technology things like that better than you do because you haven't been on the swat team for you know 10 years or whatever same same with any 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 uh field it's the same with farm drones you know you remember that i'm sure you saw the forecast people like oh farm drones you know you go out to the farmer yeah, man, I got this drone, and I'm gonna, you know, do all this stuff. And the farmers, I just got to know anything about farming. Yeah. So <laughs> After about thirty that's an seconds. Interesting point. Yeah, that 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 right there is a really interesting point because when I first got into this, like you just said, agriculture, 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 right? And mm-hmm. uh, my, my business partner to start um, actually had a lot of experience uh, in hyperspectral imaging with the Royal Air Force. And so, you know, hyperspectral cameras are, are extremely expensive, extremely data heavy, uh, but the data that they do yield is important for agriculture. But as we started to talk to, you know, farmers and agronomists, it was clear as day that they had no intention of, use, of using drones and they did not want to have that conversation. So like you said, Patrick, you're, you're right. A lot of people do go buy a Phantom and six months later, they're now an SME and they label themselves an SME. Um, that, that's hard for me to get behind because, uh, you know, I, I've got plenty of scar tissue from this industry, uh, plenty of mistakes, <laughs> plenty of bad decisions. Like it, it, it takes you to get, you got to get beat up in this industry a little bit to, uh, uh, to, to move into, you know, a place where a company is going to grow. And, and that's part of the reason why I, I came to this company is, um, the mission, uh, you know, our, our founder and CEO, 
we don't care about the drone. Like, it's not important. It's just a tool that has to be effective for SWAT teams. And that's what's kind of great about the early phases of this company is that, um, and the way our SWAT guys tell the story is awesome. Blake is an 18-year-old kid um, that walks into a room full of SWAT guys. They're sitting back in their chairs, arms crossed, saying, like, who is this kid? What is he doing here? We know about this drone game. We don't want anything to do with it. These things suck. They don't work. Um, and and he, he won them over pretty, pretty handily. Um, and so I think that the way Blake has listened to the voice of the customer and implemented that into his engineering philosophy is, is something that the rest of the drone industry could really probably learn from. Um, and mm-hmm. another thing, you know, we, we, we talked about regulation a lot. We fly indoors. It's a beautiful thing. It was a, it was a huge piece. Of, of why I wanted to come to this company and help with sales because we don't have any regulatory red tape at all. Um, the, the, the tactical BBLOS COA and waiver satisfies our use case to a T. So um, not having to worry about the FAA is kind of a beautiful thing um, when it comes mm-hmm. to our product, and it allows us to scale and actually grow the company. Brad, well, I, and- I've got to tell you, well, Brad, since, yes, since you worked for the agency, uh, uh, I think it's funny the way you mentioned that. I had uh, also considered going to work for the Federal Aviation Administration and then got mm-hmm. over it. But uh, <laughs> one of the times that, uh, like Blake, I thought that there was a better way to do things on the border, and this was years ago, went down and sure. and uh, was going to demo in this, uh, the San Diego sector, and I proposed to fly uh, along the river there, which is below ground level. Interesting. And I called the FAA and said, "Look, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to fly below ground level. I want to, you know, I'm a pilot as well, so you know, I, yeah. I, I try to play nice with them, and you know, I want to sure. keep my ticket." And uh, they said no because, you know, what if you fly out, you know, of the canyon? Then you're in our airspace. Mm-hmm. But I said, you know, gravity sucks. It just it's going to pull you down. Sure. You know, if something goes bad with this aircraft. So I thought you'd kind of yeah. get a kick out of, you know, the agency. You can't even fly below ground level with them. Well, now I'm feeling yeah. left out because nobody asked me to join the FAA, and I don't know why. I'm going to have to ask around. <laughs> <laughs> well, huh. you know, hmm. uh, it, it, I, I learned an unbelievable amount um, being in meetings with the UAS integration office, getting to know the people there. And this, this whole drone game um, is something that has taken so much longer than I ever would have expected to come around. Oh, yeah. um, I, if, if I back in 2012, 2013 were to sit back and say, hey, in 2021, we have yet to really deploy remote ID or, or have some version of uh, controlled airspace operations and, um, you know, some version of beyond visual line of sight, I would have said you were crazy. But I would say after two and a half years of working directly for the FAA, I understand why. Um, and, you know, and I'm not here uh, just completely hating on the FAA. That's absolutely not the case. They're, That's they, my they job, buddy. That, I'll let you do that, Patrick. But, yeah, don't worry you know, at, at the end of the day, <laughs> at the end of the day, nothing is going to fly in the national airspace without the FAA's approval and support, period, end of story. Um, and so we, we as industry do, we have to help, right? And, and we have to play nice and we have to do the things that we can to have this industry scale. And um, I, I've kind of been behind closed doors for years said that this industry is not going to grow to the, the numbers that have been forecasted, which are a, a bit outlandish, um, until we get two things, remote ID and BBLOS. At that point, and I kind of always approach the use cases from the end user's perspective. If I'm an oil and gas company and I have 250 miles of pipeline that I'd like to inspect and I'm sitting there getting ready to buy a service and you tell me that you can only go a mile at a time and then you got to drive and you have to stop and you got to do it again, I would think you were crazy. Now, if you can tell me you can do 100 miles a day and then come back to me with the data that night, now we're talking, right? And if we can get to that point, this industry is going to be gigantic. Um, but those, those two things kind of have to happen for the outdoor systems. Um, where it, it'll get there eventually when none of us are going to be able to, to rub our crystal ball and have a good idea of when that's going to be. But um, well, when it comes to outdoor systems, that's, 
they're, those are those are two big hurdles. I'm with the Air Force and their estimation for full integration in 2047. I think we'll, we'll make some, some real headway there. I, I've been saying that one for probably 10 years. The um, the you know the funny thing, it's funny you say that right so I, I mean if you could go back in time um, and I mean I remember when they came up with the policy clarification and Doug Davis was like ah oh, you know don't sweat it man sixty ninety days we're gonna have something out you'll be flying again and I was like good because mom and pop's not gonna be able to hold out man you know this is just yeah, you don't have yeah. coming in the door you're out I didn't know it was gonna be nine years you know so sure. Sure. Um, and, and I and I'm sorry. I I, uh, I you know I, I think this industry really rela- or lacks advocacy, and people go, "Oh, what you're too harsh." You know, beyond visual line of sight, I think it's doable today. You, you guys are talking about like this borders thing. You know, I've operated down in the Yuma sector. I've flown down there, and there is nothing going on down there except for uh, possibly people flying in, flying drugs in, and things like that. So it, I. I personally believe I, you could, uh, with an engineering risk matrix, figure out where you could fly a two-pound drone, um, you know, with sparse population and low air traffic and all the rest. It's the will and it's the desire. And uh, I understand people have an aversion to saying yes because they don't want to risk their career or whatever. But how I see it is uh, I see it as a detrimental to the uh, American aerospace industry. Because uh, yes. as we've seen, uh, you know, there's a there's a company that dominates. You know, they there's a monopoly, <laughs> and uh, and I will say that that's partially facilitated um, by the lack of regulation in this country. Now, the other thing you were talking about the event that happened in um, Las Vegas, and uh, yeah. you know, I don't know if you heard about this either, but you know, the FBI had assets that had geofencing on them and then could not fly. Um, and to me. Was that that's just I, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard of. You're gonna have a law enforcement situation. You have well, a crime scene, yeah. you know, and you can't fly. You got to ask somebody in Shenzhen for permission to fly. That just doesn't make any sense to me. So, and I'm not, you know, people, oh, you're anti-Chinese. I'm not anti. I love the Chinese. They're great. You know, I I, I really admire them. They're just doing what they should be doing. But it kind of, uh, you know, steams my clams that. We're not doing what we should be doing, you know, for the safety of RNAS and law enforcement and search and rescue. And, you know, I've had to listen to Gene stories for years and uh, heartbreakers, you know. But anyway, <laughs> yeah. and that's a, well, that circles us back to the, the brink thing. I mean, you guys primarily operate indoors. You, you guys, are you doing the geofencing thing? You're not doing the geofencing thing. We got professionals here. What, what's the thought behind that? Yeah, that's a that's a absolutely perfect segue. So uh, we are very close with Las Vegas Metro SWAT. Um, they they've helped us develop this product. They've been really supportive of our company. Um, and so what you just mentioned about being geofenced on October first and not being able to take off was the exact um, situation and, and technological hurdle that made us stay away from GPS. So. The lemur does not have any GPS on board at all. Okay. Um, no user-accessible software, no user-accessible firmware. All of our altitude hold and all of our pilot assistance actually comes from LiDAR. So with our Ooh. system, you're never going to be grounded uh, due to a software update. You're never going to be grounded due to geofencing um, or, or airspace problems. And so that was the exact situation when Blake was talking with Metro. They were like, man, we, we couldn't take off um, during that event. And so when he heard that, he said, okay, well, I'm never going to have GPS in this system because of that. And so that, you know, that's where our, our innovation came in. And, yeah, we, we use LiDAR for, for pilot assistance and navigation. But also, Patrick, the, the lemur is flown FPV. Um, mm-hmm. So a, a typical operation with our mission is uh, we have amazing signal strength. That, that's really, really important. We have... Um, incredible yeah. penetration through material. And so with the lemur, uh, the pilot is going to either be in the Bearcat or going to be in their truck about a block away from the operation, right? And so um, we're able to operate from within a house because that, that's what our, our drone is made to do. It, it's there to clear rooms and then locate, isolate, and communicate with suspects. 
And so uh, typically the operator is going to be goggles on, um, sitting in a safe, sterile cockpit environment and operating that system inside the house and then, you know, flies right back to where he, he, wherever he wants to take off. Um, but, yeah, so that, that's kind of the way a typical mission goes with, with the lemur. And so, so, Brad, real quick. Uh, yes, sir. What, what sort of, I've, I've been in a couple of, of SWAT, I mean, flying in them mm-hmm. and that sort of thing. So um, one of the things that I appreciate about your long distance, you know, the old Army saying about, you know, if your enemy is in range, so are you. Uh, kind yep. of a deal. I don't. I don't like being shot at. But um, what what uh, are you using for a position hold, or you know, is it uh, a vision system? Is it uh, what are you using to be able to, to hover in place and in a GPS denied situation? Yeah. So we're. I think we're the only drone manufacturer in the world that requires training. We we will not sell a lemur without our really intense three-day training, and it's for that reason right there. Now, we have a full manual mode. So with the lemur, if it can physically fit through an area, you can go into manual mode like the old, you know, DJI manual days and have full control. Sure. And if, sure. as long as that lemur fits physically through the space, you're going to be able to get through it. Now, if you're doing a room clearing, um, the way that we teach pilots to do that is to sit in the middle of the room and then just do a 360 uh, rotation uh, throughout that room. Right. And our, when right. in that situation, you might get a little bit of movement in the x-axis, but you're not going to get any altitude up and down. So we teach pilots how to operate, and it, it does take some stick skills, um, absolutely, to, to use our system, and it takes reoccurring training. So that altitude hold that I mentioned, you would just be in LIDAR mode. So we have downward-facing LIDAR, and that's going to keep you at the same altitude. Um, again, you might get a little movement left to right, but uh, overall, that's where you're going to get your uh, quote-unquote position hold. Yeah, um, agreed, and it is a perishable skill. You, you have to practice it. It is a perishable skill. Yes, it is. We, we suggest that our, our pilots operate two to three times a week, at least a couple hours just to continue to practice and practice and practice. And, um, you know, our training, we're, we're incredibly lucky um, to have a gentleman by the name of Kevin Stevens as our director of training. He just retired from 30 years at Metro. Um, Ten of those years he was an assistant team leader. And then the past 10 years all he's done is training, both lethal and non-lethal. So he's been able to come in um, and use his expertise and his skill to not really care about the drone, Right. Uh, the drone is, is part of it, but the way that we train is the way that SWAT guys are used to training, and this is just like another tool in their stack, right? If, right. if the lemur is not unbelievably easy to use and reliable, they're never going to use it, period. So Absolutely. we have a training curriculum that's geared towards that type of operator. Yeah, that makes sense to me. So we're we're down to a minute and a half, and it always happens quick, you know. But uh, so the, uh, Feels like website. five minutes. It does. Website where people could find out more information. Yeah, absolutely. So our website is www.brinkdrones.com, Brink with a C, um, and all of our social media is Brink Drones. Um, so please take a look at everything that, w- that we have out there. Uh, if you're interested in a demo, again, we are happy to do demos. Um, and, yeah. Excellent. Yes, that's good. So the only other thing, you know, it's got LiDAR on it, yada, yada, yada. Um, this is a tool for professionals. Can you give us a ballpark on what the lemur system costs? Yeah, absolutely. So let, let me touch on a few a few features that are, are pretty unique. And um, traditionally, and you guys can appreciate this, a lot of SWAT teams have been just using DJI minis and, and little Mavics um, to try and do indoor tactical operations, and it's, it's just not the right tool. Um, mm-hmm. So a few things that we have that are kind of unique is, is number one, our battery technology. We don't use lithium polymer. Uh, we use lithium ion. So our system is able to, if you had a long barricade or standoff, you could land the lemur and you could perch for up to 10 hours uh, with eyes and ears. So our, our, our optic system is, uh, you know, wide angle fixed lens, 1080p, 60 frame per second, um, a really good camera. And then we have a built-in night vision system uh, for low light environments, which is generally what they're operating in. Um, and then we have a turtle mode. So if you do crash, land on your back, you can reverse thrust the motors, flip back over so the mission's not over. 
Um, and then we're Ooh. the only drone in the world that has two-way communication. So we have an LTE board inside of the system. Every lemur comes with a unique phone number, and you're able to, you know, this is a crisis negotiator's dream, to be able to just simply make a phone call. We have a very sensitive microphone and a very loud, loud speaker on the system. So you can have two-way communication with a suspect and know exactly what's going on. Um, and it's really durable. You, we, we teach you how to crash. Um, during our training course, because you are going to crash. It is going to happen, um, and you should expect it. And so, you know, all of those features, and, it, you know, we also have a payload bay. So we have four accessories that mount to the bottom of our drone. We have a glass breaker. So if you didn't need to breach glass, you could break tempered glass really easily. We have a spotlight attachment. So if you need to uh, light up the scene, you can do that. We have a payload dropper. So if you need to drop something off, like a pack of cigarettes or a water bottle, um, anything up to a pound, you're able to drop off to, um, you know, help de-escalate a situation. Uh, and then we have a terrestrial robot connector. So a lot of SWAT teams now have I-Cores and, and terrestrial-based robots. You could attach the lemur to that robot, breach the front door, and take off once you get in. So all of these features that we've built into the system are, are all based on this type of tactical use case, right? And so, it, it's, again, it's just a tool for these guys. Um, but those are kind of some of the main features. So um, a lemur kit, which is the airframe, controller, FPV goggles, two batteries, multipurpose charger, and a spare part and spare toolkit because our system is highly modular, so you can do field repair very, very easily, is $9,000, 8999 That's not bad. Uh, you know, I think one, one of the things, and we have run long, so we're not live anymore, but it's still recording. Uh, one of the things I, I think people, you know, one, one thing with DJI is people go, well, I could just go buy a thousand dollar drone and it'll, you know, but you're not getting sure. what you just listed, you know? Nope. Yeah. You got, nope. you got some eyes on the, on the prize or whatever, but uh, you're not getting maybe, everything that you just, maybe if, if, if yeah, you're okay. more than 10 feet away from the house, you're, you're going to lose video signal. So you might have exactly. eyes for a little while, but they, they use them as disposable, frankly. Like when, right. when they're using minis, they're saying, okay, we'll just, we'll go buy 15 of them. Uh, and, and if it goes down, no problem. Yep. Exactly. Uh, but, you know, yeah. in, in a, uh, what we like to call like a um, life situation or whatever, uh, mm -hmm. you need the goods, you know, because lives are 100%. on the line and that's not the time to horse around with either cheap kit or, no. say amateur so i don't even i really don't even think that's that, that bad you know uh, no and it's, then, it's it's not it's not and and our mission patrick like what you just said is is we've built tools to help these guys save lives and frankly that's why they've all come to work for us is because these guys have been in the front of the stack right they, they've been team leaders they've been assistant team leaders and these guys enter extremely dangerous situations and our tool is a de-escalation tool, period. And we want to keep not only suspects safe, but we want to keep SWAT teams safe, right? Both, this is a tool for good. It's a tool to help save lives, help save people. And when you compare the cost of the lemur versus the cost of an officer, right, or, or a suspect, oh, there's, there's, just, there's just no comparison, right? And I don't know if you guys have any idea of, of what it costs for a department to have a SWAT team on site. But it is, is it very, free? very expensive. <laughs> it is yeah, very, very yeah. expensive. So if you, are, just, if you are able to shrink the time on site in half, the taxpayer's dollar is going to be used much more efficiently. Well, and, and even beyond the, the taxpayers, uh, you know, uh, let's say being, being uh, considered the taxpayers, just even the, the anguish and grief. Uh, I mean, yes. it, it's priceless. Yes. So uh, there was, you know, how much does this thing weigh? Um, so with battery in, it's about 2.5 pounds. Yeah, see, I, that's why I'm saying. I, I think that there is a way that, that you could analyze the risk and, and, and use these things. But, Gene, did you, did you yeah. have any uh, closing thoughts here? Uh, so, so many, Brad, because, I mean, I've been out there. I've been in the van. I've been in the, the yeah. those spots where – I, I can just go on and on about uh, all the things that you guys have done and, and the uh, uh, and the way the lemur looks and works. Uh, you know, I've I've been in that situation where we've had to sit and perch and you know would have loved to have had two-way communications. And mm -hmm. now I will have to admit that opening windows with flashbangs is a lot more fun. But uh, you know, <laughs> being able to 
<laughs> being able to, to breach windows and, and things like that just from a, a psychological factor when you're if you're moving in on it. I was involved in an OIS and and uh, if if there would have been that capability to go in, it would have probably saved an officer's life. So I, I just yeah. go on and on and on for me. I, I, I just don't know where to begin. And like Patrick says, we have so little time, <laughs> it's hard to get it all out. We would be happy to have you guys. If you ever come to Vegas for a trade show or, or just come to Vegas for anything, uh, please let me know. And, and we'd be happy to host you at our offices so you can check everything out and, and fly the lemur. Brad, cool. uh, let me ask you, um, there, there's going to be an event out here in Texas. Uh, our friends at uh, Granite Defense Technologies is going to put together a summit. Are you guys going to attend that? Yes, sir. We will be there. Then I'll see you there because I'm going to be Fantastic. there as well. Fantastic. Yeah, we, we are absolutely going to be there. We're, we're looking forward to it, and we're going to be doing quite a bit of flying. Outstanding. I'm looking forward to that. I know, you know, you guys are talking Absolutely. about all this, this fluff, and uh, I have an important <laughs> question. Can you take a selfie with this, Brent? <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, on that. Uh, <laughs> no, no, you, you, you can't, and let me tell you why, Patrick. Good question. And there's, there's no fluff here, by the way. Um, the, the lemur does not take still photos. And all of the onboard recording is to an onboard micro SD card. And there was so much thought put into this product that the minute that you plug in the battery to the lemur, the drone is automatically on and the drone is automatically recording. Because when these guys are in high-stress environments, it is very easy to forget to press record. So, no, you you cannot take a selfie, um, and that's the reason why. (laughs) <laughs> oh, I always ask that question. I was, it's always, you know, but that's the important one. No, uh, it sounds like it's uh, the lemur's packed full of goodies. Uh, and then, you know what, we'll have to, uh, we'll have to revisit this, Gene, after you, you see it. And I'm sure, you know, as things progress, Brett, we could have you back on and uh, talk more about that. Sound, sounds good. Uh, great conversation as always. Uh, um, it's, it's hard to pack it all in 45 minutes. So um, it was a great show, and, um, you know, good luck with that. And I um, look forward to hearing the, uh, the things in the future and when Gene gets to see it fly and everything. So thanks for being on, and we'll talk to everyone next time. Thanks, guys. Appreciate you having me on. All right. Have a good okay, day. Okay, see you. Take care, guys. Bye-bye. Bye.